The Zooier Than Thou podcast contains mature content and language and may not be suitable for younger audiences. Thanks for your understanding. Zooier Than Thou is on. You can join the hound. Zooier Than Thou is on. You can join the hound. Hello, friends and colleagues. And welcome to another episode of Zooier Than Thou. I am internationally recognized mongler of frisky furry fellas, Fausti. <laughs> and I'm Toggle. And we're here to chaperone this evening's Zooier Than Thou adventure. I have to say, it's a good Friday to be a zoo. We've got some good news from the podcasting world. As our listeners know all too well, there's just gazillions of other zoo podcasts out there. Quadzillions. So rather than competing with such well-established resources... We're more of a newcomer doing what we can to lift up the whole big basket of Zooey podcasts out there. So here's a little bit of news to that end. As you may remember, the widely beloved Zootopia podcast, a heavy hitter in the Zoo podcast world, was taken down after they received a cease and desist letter from Disney. Really a shame, as it's one of the best of breeds and it does stand out even amidst the ocean of alternatives. Well, now they're back after rebranding themselves as Zoo Utopia. And you can check out their new website at zooutopia.dog. You know, Toggle, we really should have gotten a .dog domain. (laughs) Admittedly, I'm not very good with computers, but couldn't we have done that? Yeah, but all the good ones were already taken by other zoo podcasts. Oh, yeah. Well, that's right. And folks, don't let the cluttered zoo landscape put you off. There's always room for more. So if you're listening and feel inspired to do your own zooey project, drop us a note, and we'll be happy to help you get set up and running with the kit you need to make it happen. The more the merrier. All joking aside for a moment, uh, we know some listeners have really creative new ideas for Zooey podcasts of your own out there. But don't let the technical hurdles or your concerns about technical hurdles hold you back, eh? Uh, we can help you with your own setup. We can even do some of the production assistance behind the scenes if you'd like. Or we could just share our own ideas and experience in putting together Zooier Than Thou. Yep. And once you get up and running, you'll be pleasantly surprised how easy the whole process is. Look, if two unrepentant monglers like Fausti and I can do it, literally anyone can. I mean, Fausti can't even get his phone to work most of the time, and here he is on the podcast. That's how easy it is. Even a Fausti can do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like I'm some techno geek in real life or whatever. <clears throat> well, uh, moving on. Let's just jump right into the mailbag. Last episode, we asked listeners to weigh in on Beast Forum. And while we did get quite a few emails about the show, only one person had anything directly to say about that forum. And maybe that's for the best. Hmm, not feeling inspired to dig deeper into the Beast Forum quagmire, Fausti. Well, way back when, one of their admins actually bragged to me offline about how they would inflate the thread view counts arbitrarily to make the site look way more popular than it was. Hmm. They'd actually built a custom software module to allow them to set viewer counts just point and click simple. Remember how they used to have all these like hundreds and hundreds of thousands of views for every one of the threads there? Well, sure. They had lots of traffic, right? And weren't some of those threads <laughs> started by you? <clears throat> uh, my old content from way back did prove very popular there, but who knows exactly how popular since they were faking viewer counts comprehensively all the way across the site and they bragged about it. 
it's just sort of typical for how shady and fake that whole damn thing was when you looked underneath. Mm. Well, most of us seem to be moving on from the Beast Forum issue by now, though our one listener email is certainly worth sharing before we move on ourselves. You want to do the honors toggle? Well, sure. This email is from Orca in Oslo. Orca starts out with, Hey, I really liked your first episode and I'm looking forward to listening to the next ones. Keep up the good work. You may someday make a name for yourself in the plethora of zoo podcasts. Well, we certainly hope so. I mean, it's a stretch, what with all the prestigious competition, (laughs) but I do think we might be able to manage it. Orca continues, so I'm a young zoo exclusive who grew up with the internet, and I actually think Beast Swarm wasn't that bad. Sure, there was a lot of shit on it, and what the owners did with the content people posted was horrible, but if you sorted everything out, I think you could find really cool people and content. It was the biggest zoo community, and I think it was important to have such a hub. It really helped me to discover that I wasn't the only one, to accept myself as I was, and to become proud of my zoo sexuality. I think Beastworm was an easy-to-find website that was really good for people discovering themselves like I was. The guides were cool, and to be able to read all of these people's experiences was great. Since there is almost no other website or forum about zoosexuality, I don't know a place where people like that could go today. To my knowledge, the only thing left are an 8chan thread that's almost only about porn, and somewhat hidden communities on Twitter, Telegram, and Discord. It's not enough in my opinion, and it's a real problem. What do you guys think about it? Ooh. Well, Orca makes some great points, and the perspective of younger folks, not just gray muzzles like me, really is important in looking at this. I get asked this question fairly often in regards to Beast Forum in terms of where I'd recommend folks go for a non-evil zoo forum, you know, just a place to hang out with other zoos. And Mm -hmm. I don't know. I don't have anything to recommend. It's the long and short of it. There's a few super old school watering holes where oldsters like me hang out and rehash old debates about the ZL days. But those really aren't much use for everyone else. So Beast Forum sort of managed to squat their greedy non-zoo asses right in the middle of our community's semantic space online. And in doing so, they sort of became a default stopping off point for lots of zoos. Now that it's gone, I don't know. Good friends have told me there's a few forums out there that actually don't suck. I I just haven't even looked into them enough to form an opinion at this point, to be honest. Mm. So what does come next? I mean, in terms of zoo forums online. Isn't there a real need for a good, safe place that, unlike Beast Forms, sets a positive tone and isn't run solely to generate porn content for pay websites and all that? There's no way I'd ever recommend a Chan site to anyone looking for a positive place to hang out because, well, it's a Chan site. <laughs> Likewise, I could never do that in good conscience. Mm. I do have to say that Twitter's an option and mm. not as far-fetched as it maybe had been in the past, I would encourage folks to consider that there's been Mm -hmm. a bit of a renaissance in zoo twitter in recent months or years Mm -hmm. as to forums uh, a decade ago i actually ran a zoo forum myself for a number of years alongside a tracker and i learned a few things doing that job one it's a lot of hard work and doing it right isn't really a simple project two keeping abusive content out is actually not very difficult at all we just had a bright line standard and Members helped to make sure nothing evil was part of the community, period. Three, I learned that it's truly worth the hard work to provide a good, safe, healthy place for zoos to congregate online. I do hope others take up the challenge and fill the post-Beast Forum gap with a zoo-owned, zoo-run, zoo-centric, healthy alternative. 
it's sorely needed just as much now as it was back when I did just that many years ago. You know, it's funny though. For me, I found Beast Form to be inaccessible as a younger Zuvile. As a media person, I'm a Mac user myself, so. Well, of course you are, <laughs> Mickey Mouse motherfucker. Oh my God. What Fuck. else would you be using? Fuck you, you dog mongler. So, as a Mac <laughs> user, the whole thing where you had to put together videos, like mm-hmm. put together small saying? pieces of video files, made them inaccessible. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you had to pay to access certain things was a barrier as well. I found myself on a different forum called Zoo Files Forum, which I thought was much better. I had a similar experience there to what Orca had with Beast Forum, finding a community, making friends, and reading about people's experiences, all without the exploitative nature of non-Zoo admins. Zoo Files Forum had many great things going for it and had a number of great years. It had its own problems, though, by the end. Really? I had no idea. Well, it had a bit of a complicated history. I mean, in a sense, doesn't everything. Uh, there really were some amazing folks there. They genuinely represented the best of the community, and uh, they were the folks who ran the admin team for many years. Then there were some personal issues that made it really hard for some of those good folks to keep carrying the admin load. And unfortunately, some astonishingly toxic individuals weaseled their way into admin roles after that. It eventually slowly imploded on itself. Sad story, sadly not a unique story. The same thing happened to Zoophile's Destiny and a handful of others along the way that went from great places to terrible crashes. Dang, I I didn't even know that. I was on there probably in 2009 or so. I'd personally say that was near its heyday. Back then it was, yeah, it was still run by great folks in 2009. It was still regularly visited by lots of amazing folks. And I really be happy to give a shout out to the individual people who made that community such a great place during those years but security Mm. i would like to say thanks to all those admins for all they did in those good years and i hope that message does come through to them wherever they are today loud and clear well thanks a ton for that email orca we really did appreciate hearing the positive experiences you had in what i would say is an otherwise dark place on the internet and anyone who is listening and thinking, well, geez, I mean, why doesn't someone just set up a genuinely zoo positive zoo forum and do it the right way? Good on you for thinking that. If if we and I personally can help anybody listening who is interested in doing that in any way, we'll absolutely do so. Go get them, Tiger. And don't let anybody tell you it's not possible because it absolutely is possible. It's just a question of putting in the work. We've got one more great email we'd really love to share, and it's a doozy. We're probably going to be editing this one because it's so long you'd think Falski wrote it. Now, to be fair, everybody says they love my writing style. Well, equal amounts of people hate your writing style, so... Yeah, more than equal amounts, but carry on. <laughs> this letter is from <laughs> I'm sorry, Love Cat. I'm a huge dork and I couldn't resist it, but your letter is wonderful, so let's dive in. Love Cat writes, Hey guys, very pleased to hear another zoo podcast from the sea of zoo podcasts we're all drowning in. Also, very much pleased to hear Fausti's voice, having only just recently become aware of his existence and read through Uniquely Dangerous. Toggle's voice was a good listen to, and I have to agree, it does sound like his balls haven't dropped, but that makes comments like, fuck him, even more hilarious. <laughs> 
Oh my god. <laughs> Someday, you and those balls are going to get some oh space between the two of you one of these years. <laughs> Just keep the faith, buddy. It'll happen. Yeah, you, you know, at least my voice is not fake. <laughs> I don't have to, like, go in and, like, adjust my voice just so people can stand to listen to but it. You're the one that gave me this horrible fake voice, so who's to blame for that, right? <clears throat> <laughs> okay. Back, so, back to the uh, letter. Yes. Uh, Love Cat continues, I can't say I'm super delighted about the whole exposure solution thing. I was one of those who was taken in by it hook, line, and sinker and went through a week of anxiety over it. I honestly thought I was fucking Pepe again, and had visions of more jailings and suicides in my head. I realized that you had good intentions in doing that, but the thought of any of my new zoo friends I finally made being harmed by these psychopaths who get off on ruining people's lives is intolerable to me, only to find out that it was just you putting out a strategic hoax. Well, it's a bit of a mindfuck, man. I'm trying to learn good lessons from it, such as that you yourself have survived pain, trauma, sabotage life goals, etc. directly consequence to your being outed against your will and that despite it all, you sound undefeated, but it still seems like a harder lesson than it was maybe necessary. Hmm. Those pauses are for you to comment. <laughs> I thought those pauses were just you gathering your majestic voice for the next paragraph. <clears throat> no. I don't uh, know. How do we, you see a we... pause in the script that's for you to comment. <sighs> What I mean, what can I really say to that? Uh, well, I mean, we we did try our best to make sure that there were no zoos that thought it was actually about them. So, like, we tried to say, you know, like we were very conscious uh, conscious of the idea that oh, we don't really want to scare zoos, but we want them to kind of pay attention. So we were like, okay, well, it's going to be celebrity. Well, out of celebrity, that way, no zoos think that it's them. But. Maybe that wasn't entirely apparent then. There are apparently at least a couple zoos who were convinced they are celebrities and that <laughs> they were being targeted. And I do feel bad for that because the idea of flagging celebrity was to make sure nobody was worried. And if we failed in doing that, that was our mistake. And we yeah. do apologize for that. Yeah, honestly, we apologize for any stress we caused anyone during that. Um, so... There's been quite a bit of discussion and debate about the exposed solution on Twitter, and mm -hmm. I would encourage anybody who thinks we were particularly stupid or irresponsible in doing that to share those ideas publicly mm -hmm. because it's been a really useful discussion to have. Yeah, and you know, if you felt like this was a good idea, uh, that it was important, uh, equally, your opinion is also valid. We've gotten a little bit of both, so you know, it's it's it's, it's something worth talking about. Fair enough. It was an interesting mix of strong reactions either way, which maybe says that there was a whole lot of uh, important issue underlying that uh, particular approach to launching the podcast. Right. In fact, actually, this next part of the letter talks about it. So, Very good. In any case, it did cause me to reevaluate how much power I've let those boogeymen have over me. And that despite whatever unavoidable consequences being out can have, the worst consequence would be to allow the ruination of my spirit, which is what they really want to do. I know that psychopaths want to corrupt and destroy the innermost core of a person. That's what really gets them off, and that to deny them that satisfaction is ultimately what I must do. And in that respect, Balsty, you are a hero to me. That you have lived through nightmarish experiences and not caved. That you have stayed true to yourself in the face of unreasonable hatred, smear campaigns, utter injustice. I can't tell you what an inspiration and encouragement I find in that. Stay defiant. I get it. I 
appreciate the thought, though absolutely recoil from the concept of any heroism here at all. I look back at these years covered in that book, and I see the 10,000 terrible mistakes I made that I wish I could go back and do better. So thank you for the the, uh, gracious, uh, positive feedback. I have to say for myself, I know that it could have been done so much better. And I look forward to people smarter than me doing better than me and showing the right way to do it in the future. Right. But uh, I think we get to a core thing here, and that is that, you know, we shouldn't be ashamed. We shouldn't be scared. We shouldn't be uh, made to feel less than human by people who want us to feel less than human. I think it's interesting that when we did this, we kind of provided a safer way of helping people maybe come to that realization that, you know, why why would I be scared of this? Why do these people have so much power over me? Though it was completely unintended, I look back on it and I wonder now if some zoos who have always felt themselves to be exempt from risk or fear of outing felt that they were suddenly at risk and got a taste of what that feeling is. That was not what we were trying to do. But I do look back and some of the people that reacted most aggressively, I think, have been the ones who have bragged sometimes about, I'll never get outed, I'm way too smart for that. That's only stupid people that get outed. And some of those people seem like they were the ones who got angry. And I wonder if it's not really their fear talking at that point. Right. At any rate, the idea was not to cause anyone stress. Uh, but to kind of highlight the absurdity of the kind of dialogue that takes place online with, uh, around these people. We we reached for the most hyperbolic, mm-hmm. unbelievable, totally fantastical language in uh, writing those tweets. And a scary and interesting part of the reaction is that no matter how hard we tried to make them sound overblown, people believe they could be true. And that says a lot about how weird this stuff can really get. Right. And you know, there's a point where when you're dealing with zealots, uh, a a parody starts looking like the real thing. And that's just something that happens when you're dealing with something so overblown, so over the top, so outrageous that it's it's hard to parody because uh, you just look like you're just doing it. You look like the real people, right? I mean, we tried to parody the best we possibly could. And to a degree, I think we have to say that we failed in our efforts to parody despite those extraordinary uh, attempts. And that has been a learning lesson. No Mm -hmm, question. mm -hmm. Let's go ahead and move on. Uh, As for zooier than thou, I'll give you my honest feedback. In short, I both like it and don't like it. That is... I'm not a fan of sketches, and even though I did find some laughs in it, most of the humor just didn't work for me. I like very much when you and Toggle just talk, and I hope that the straight talk segments of the podcast will grow to be the bulk of it, because, to me, that's where the main value is. Uh, you know, Falski and I, we talk about the balance there a lot, between the talk and the skits. You know, a lot of these skits are just based on the fallout of random conversations we have, we, you know, when we brave the cranberry traffic and grab a bite to eat due to some planning, some of these things just sort of fall out of those conversations because we think they're really funny. But we, that's true. We have a particularly stupid sense of humor, so I guess you know that's not everyone's cup of tea. I think even though our humor is far from perfect and f- uh, far from professional, 
there is a particular branch of zoo humor that I've always appreciated myself, and I hope that we can maybe inspire those who are better at humor than we are to participate in future episodes and show us mm-hmm. the right way to do it. Oh yeah, we definitely, uh, hopefully, are going to expand and get some more ideas. We want to, we want to hear your ideas. So this isn't just a, you know, toggle and Fausty jerking off online talking about <laughs> that's actually a paid channel <laughs> and um if you're interested in that paid channel we'll go ahead and swap you over there and i mean only one of us has you know balls oh my drops, God. so it's really pretty clear who people are paying to see i'm, oh I'm just God. saying that, look you know. rats rats but just anyway. have <clears throat> squeaky voices we just have them but you if you've ever seen a rat you know our balls are just massive we got massive balls squeaky voices <laughs> That's how it works. <clears throat> you want to know something? I've, I've never I've never known a stallion who had to tell people that he had <laughs> massive balls. It's, 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 it's weird. Look, no, no, nobody ever know, had I've to say had to that. I've never had to defend my balls before. But they're under attack. What? So you don't really oh have them. <laughs> we, I mean, it's just... Someday you will, though. Just One keep the face. One day I'll be a real mm, rat. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you are. <laughs> Anyway. So, Love Cat continues. I guess what would appeal to me the most is to hear about the lives and thoughts of other zoos. To paint a picture of us as complete people who have a a right to exist and value to bring to the table. I think we can accomplish those goals by simply presenting ourselves as we are. I think that's where you're coming from. However you conduct your podcast, I'm just glad that it exists, and I'm certainly excited to see where you take it. I think that's going to do it for now. Much love, y'all. Love, Cat. Genuinely, thank you so much for an in-depth email and for your in-depth critique of the podcast so far. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it really was a pleasure to read, and I only wish we could have fit more of it on the show. Stay defiant, Love, Cat. Up next, a word from our sponsors, followed by Zoo News. Catch you on the other side, fellow zoos. This week's podcast is sponsored by... Love and Lucy's Luscious Lube. Strong enough for a stallion, but made for a mare. And also by whatever project Fausti has going right now. Fausti, he has too many projects going right now. And finally, Looney Tunes, because Disney won't return our calls. Come back to us, Disney. We'll never wrong you again. You had so much money. of the same old sex with the same old real-life partners day in and day out? Sick of practicing the Kama Sutra with a bunch of faceless, real-life hookups you don't remember the next day? Of course you are. Why not spice things up with a piece of strange that's seriously unreal? Visit Betty's Bestiality Brothel and try something new. Betty's is the authority on all things interspecies, from familiar farm animals to otherworldly, exotic beasts from the jungles of India or wherever. No matter how fantastic the fantasy, Betty's can deliver. At Betty's Bodacious Bordello, we understand that everyday normal guys get the urge to try something different. You're not interested in a committed, real-life relationship with a non-human partner full of responsibility and devotion. You're not a zoophile after all. You're just curious. Curiosity never killed anyone, did it? That's why at Betty's, we offer the best in imaginary services that sate your sensual desires. No strings attached. Prowl with a panther. Canoodle with a camel. Get serviced by the stallion of your dreams. Discover just how bad a dragon can really be. 
The possibilities are limited only by your imagination, because Betty's banging brothel is based entirely within your mind. Betty's isn't limited to reality-based experiences, and that sets the stage for us to deliver the brothel experience you've been dreaming of. Look for our brochures at welcome centers throughout Europe and in the rural United States. We're definitely there, without a doubt. Or check out our website. Sure, there's no physical address there, but that's for your security. Once you click pay now, we'll find the closest, non-existing location to your area. No problem. Trust us. Don't miss out on special VIP treatment for car-carrying high rollers. Have the funds to provide the wonderful life to the mayor of your dreams on an actual farm with years of actual sex you'll both treasure and celebrate forever? But too self-hating and conflicted about your cross-species orientation to actually live the happy life of your dreams? No problem. For the right price, we'll help you maintain the flimsy pretense that you aren't Zoo and deliver the imaginary experience of a night of pure rapture with a horse who knows just what she wants and isn't shy about her demand that you deliver. To top it all off, then exclusively for our VIP clients with more money than self-honesty, we'll deliver a five-star, four-course dining experience for you and imaginary non-human paramours of your choice. It might seem too good to be true, but that's only because it is. Take that gorgeous heifer on the date of her dreams. We'll serve your post-coital feast in your private VIP stall, complete with 500 thread count haystacks. For those with money to burn, Betty's bombastic bathhouse delivers more than just unreal interspecies sex, all without ever needing to admit you yourself what everyone else's Zudar has told them long ago. If you're looking for a sexual experience you'll never forget, no one does it like Betty's. No one. Literally no one. No one does it. With new imaginary locations opening every day, it's easier than ever to visit a Betty's bestiality brothel near you. Come on by today. You're listening to Zoo News with your hosts, Fausty and Tuggle. All right, let's not waste any more time and jump right into it. Today's topic is a real doozy. The mere mention of our subject's name is enough to ruffle feathers among zoos and non-zoos alike. I was wary of broaching the subject because of the sheer amount of knee-jerk vitriol it can inspire, but there are certain things we feel need to be discussed. So we're exhuming this dead topic again. I'm talking, of course, about last fall's furry world zoo sadism shitstorm and the fallout it generated. For those of you who are fortunate enough to live under a rock, last autumn there was a high-profile disclosure of purported evidence of seriously evil behavior by some individuals in the furry fandom. Specifically, claims were made of the existence of a massive zoosadism ring that had been exposed through this, and at least initially, the claim was that this disclosure would result in a widespread quote-unquote cleansing of such horrific individuals from the furry fandom. Now, you're using what I'd say is very careful language in how you describe this, Fausty. Language that is not the same as what most people used back then when it was all exploding on the zoo Twitter scene. Fair enough. Conventionally, this would be identified as the quote-unquote Kiro incident, or the zoosadism leaks. And both of those titles are bullshit. First, connecting all of this to Kiro, who, as I understand it, is a somewhat high-profile furry, 
is absolutely unfair, as we are going to discuss in detail. Two, these aren't leaks, because there's no way to confirm the authenticity of what's actually been released, the majority of which is really just text files that people claim are Telegram chat logs. And unfortunately, some people involved in hyping this up last fall were actually caught circulating fake and even malware-laden documents during these claimed leaks. So there's no way to know what's real and what's fake text-wise. So it's important to be clear about what we know is real. Basically, there's some pictures and video files, as I understand it, and what's totally uncertain, namely all the chat logs and other text records that got circulated at the time. The leaks caused a flood of anti-zoo sentiment in a typically zoo-friendly fandom and are a primary source of why I originally left Twitter less earlier this year. So let's break down what happened, piece by piece. A zoo called Akela released the original accusations on Twitter, tagging several prominent furries and some known anti-zoo groups to alert them that he had uncovered zoo sadists hiding in the furry community, and he felt compelled to call them out. He released a slew of allegedly incriminating Telegram chat logs with some very alarming and graphic content featuring conversations and some images revolving around the torture and rape of animals. Kira was called out in all this, although now it seems clear that no real video or picture evidence ever existed implicating him in Zeus activity. I'd like to step back and be clear on some of this. Zeus by definition, is the torture of other beings in order to derive pleasure from the pain they experience. This is one of the most horrible, most evil, most fucking disgusting things that human beings can do. Mm-hmm. There is no clinical or documented connection between zoosadism, which revolves around pain and misery and is not sexual in any meaningful sense, and zoophilia, which is a sexual orientation and involves reciprocal intimacy between adults who choose to engage in sexual relations with each other. Mm. This is a topic you are really passionate about, Fausti. Absolutely. As I said earlier, I used to run a high-profile, high-traffic zoo forum and tracker for years. And during that time, we had two incidents involving zoosadists. In both cases, I provided help in tracking down and neutralizing those individuals to the best of my ability, alongside a number of other very courageous and utterly unrelenting zoo colleagues. And what I saw during those episodes was beyond words to describe. It's fucking disgusting. It's I'd do most anything to stop anyone who does those things. I'd do almost anything to stop it. So I know a little bit about such investigations firsthand. I know what goes into actually acting to stop such monsters from doing what they do. And I also know just how much bullshit those monsters can and will throw up to try to avoid personal accountability. I've been there, I've done that, I've seen it, I have the scars for life from it and I would absolutely do it again if needed to stop people from doing this kind of thing. Meanwhile, last fall when these accusations dropped, it quickly got tangled up with anti-zoo bigotry on Twitter and elsewhere, and it became almost impossible to disentangle the actual zoo sadism claims from the broader efforts to out zoos, and even worse, to intentionally confuse zoos with zoo sadists across the board. Makes in all the excitement of a full-bore furry fandom drama and... Yeah, an ugly, confused, angry, and stable mess. Zoophiles were unanimously quick to denounce these acts of evil, and rightfully so. 
it truly does go without saying, despite that, of course, we all said it. It's an ugly truth that Zeusatus will occasionally put on the guise of being Zeus, just like the example of Randall Zoobuster Pepe from the old days, so that they can try to blend into our community and thus be harder to pinpoint and neutralize. Obviously, that's a fucking stupid move on their part. <laughs> There's literally nobody, absolutely nobody, who hates Zeusatus more than Zoophiles. Nobody. I say this from first-hand experience. So when such monsters pop up in our world, they are swiftly spotlighted and dealt with, usually quietly, with no big public fanfare, and solely with the aim of ensuring that they don't ever hurt anybody again. Getting back to Kiro, he was quick to deny the allegations he faced last fall, and perhaps a little bit too quick. It would be days before mainstream furry outlets pick up the logs and spread the information, and with Kiro already responding, it set him up as a likely target. What followed was both incredibly interesting and painfully distressing. Accusations began piling up. There were reports that there was a video of Kiro fucking a dead animal, reports that there was evidence that Kiro had engaged in some kind of abuse of a living animal. People claiming to have poured over these leads extensively pointed the finger at Kiro as the primary culprit. Personally, I, I knew I couldn't stomach the content of the leaks, so I didn't look, but I felt uncomfortable weighing in on something that I wasn't willing to put the research into. Still, I assumed that my fellow zoos were telling the truth. He must have done something wrong to warn all this hatred. I stayed silent. About that time, DMs started flooding into both my personal Twitter account and to the CSA account, calling on me to publicly and loudly denounce Kiro as a zoosadist. I mean, this was straight up, if you don't denounce Kiro right now as a zoosadist, then you're a zoosadism enabler and you're just as guilty as he is level of pressure. To which I replied characteristically that people making such demands on me or anyone else could go fuck themselves. Because obviously I'm not denouncing anyone without actual evidence they did something. Not just someone said, someone else said that they heard that some other guy heard that kind of kindergarten bullshit. I asked to see the evidence for these accusers to point to images or videos. If the evidence existed, we'll make it public. Not text chat logs, which are so trivially easy to fake. And many, many people absolutely assured me that such evidence, pictures and video existed. People would say, look, if you dig deep enough, you'll see it. I got sent links to all sorts of bloated, garbage-filled, multi-hundred megabyte archives, some of which showed strong indications of carrying malware in them. After months of this, of me publicly asking again and again for actual evidence, privately or publicly provided, and many people who should and did know better promising that the evidence was out there somewhere. What did eventually surface was a video, less than a minute long, of a dog walking around with an erection. A dog with a boner. <laughs> Look, males get erections. It's quite normal and healthy. It's not zoosadism or abuse or whatever. It's a fucking boner. Right. It wasn't even zoos. It was just a dog. So I was really, really suspicious outright that this was just a faked up hit job targeting Kiro for some totally political reasons, and that it had zero to do with actual concern about zoosadism or with protecting anyone from actual harm. I think it's fair to give a little bit of background here. Fausti has himself been the subject of public witch hunts before. Famously, he was arrested for running a bestiality farm in the small town in Washington. <laughs> so Hold up. Even that's not actually true. Oh. I was actually arrested for violating the, quote, spirit of supervised release. That's a long story. Read 
uniquely dangerous if you're really interested in the details. But nowhere in any legal papers did anybody ever make any claims about me running anything. All of that whole bestiality farm thing, that was completely made up by bigots and their allies in the newspaper business. That mm -hmm. was never anything I was charged with. Okay, so interesting correction. But from there, news media jumped on the story, reporting about Vaseline-slathered mice used for <laughs> felching, reportedly the act of shoving rodents up your ass. Oh, boy. Oh, oh indeed. That, that came from Laura Felcher-Clark, who <laughs> imagined this concept of felching. Look, there is actually something called felching, as many listeners will probably know. It has nothing to do with mice. And if you're curious and a bit kinky, you probably already are familiar with what actual felching is. Oh, yeah. I'll felch you anytime you want, Fausty. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. It's not my thing. But hey, that's cool. So, so Laura Clark claims to be an expert on the topic of felching. An expert on the topic of a practice, felching, that is completely different from what she imagined <laughs> it to be that she was an expert of. Right, right. So here's the problem. None of it was true. There were mice, but there was no Vaseline as evidenced by photographs taken at the scene. There was a zoophile living with animals, but there was no animal sex tourism. Here's a fact. Bestiality farms don't exist. And gerbling, the correct term for the act described, has never been medically documented, not even once. It is a pure urban legend, and it is listed as such on Snopes. It's imaginary. So last fall, you've got people trying to convince someone, Fausti, who has gone through all of this stuff himself, a public smear campaign, people demanding that he participated in exactly the same kind of bullshit targeting someone else. I know I mentioned this before, but when it comes to my history, all of this that I'm saying is excruciatingly documented in the book Uniquely Dangerous, if any listeners are interested in those specifics. Needless to say, I'm a bit of a skeptic when it comes to the, everyone says this guy did this stuff, but there's no actual evidence. And also, if you don't agree with the effort to smear this guy, we'll smear you just like him kind of dynamic. Just a little bit skeptical of that. Right. So as the story spun out of control, new wild accusations began being spread around. When I heard that Kiro had killed his dog, it gave me pause. That was never mentioned originally, and killing a female dog by penetrating her seemed, well, okay, well, not impossible, but perhaps a bit far-fetched. I knew a guy who knew a guy who knew a guy, and I asked him to check on that for me. Word came back that Kiro's dog died in a fight with a neighbor dog, and when I mentioned this online, people immediately jumped on me. How dare you defend Kiro? Don't you know he did this and this? I'm not defending Kiro, I replied. But you can't just say things that aren't true. This one thing is definitively not true. Oh, geez. I totally forgot about that whole side of things. Yeah, there was a phase where the narrative suddenly jumped to Kiro fucked his dog to death. Right. Which, really? Right. Of course, there was zero evidence of this. Then it switched to his dog died of liver disease or kidney disease right. or something because he had an orgasm or an <laughs> erection or I, I don't even remember the permutations. It became it was completely like, it was something like like him penetrating him had uh, him penetrating the female dog. He thought it was a female dog had like punctured the liver. Like, right. I, wrong gender. <laughs> like they couldn't even get the gender of the dog right. Their liver somehow was involved in this. But nobody could explain what that had to do with any kind of sex that may or may not. Anyway, it was all obviously totally fake. 
Apparently, we now know from multiple uh, different independent sides that a dog did unfortunately die, which is tragic, undoubtedly. It had nothing to do in any way with sex or boners or furries or anything whatsoever related to telegram disclosures. It was completely separate. Now, Fausti, offhand, can you name anyone else's name who was leaked in the Zeusatus leaks? I I do know one other name. Then again, I've spent many, many hours on this whole ugly situation. I don't even actually know the real life name, just a nickname, apparently, that is claimed to be present in many of these disclosures. Well, that's snake thing, right? Because the telegram logs all linked back to that guy. That is the story I've been told, yes. All right. So I'm sure there are a few people who are more intimately familiar with some of the other names that got dropped. But one thing is definitely for sure. No one else involved in the leaks received the time and attention that Kiro got. Now, look, it's not even close. It's, it's not even 100 to 1. It, the online drama queens, especially the creepy-ass closet zoo dude who runs the Zesis Twitter account and many others, went on and on and on about Kiro. Also, minor mentions of maybe some others, but really right. all Kiro and, all the And time. what about anyone else? They were... More than three people in those leaks, weren't there? Uh, That's what I've been led to believe. Uh, A few of the emails we got from people during the hate party campaign launching this podcast referenced the Telegram chats involving snake things and indicated that there were, in fact, more people, but no one's really heard about them publicly. I mean, all this noise, all the hype last fall, impossible to overstate how much hype. All those big claims about some alleged zoo allegedly infiltrating this zoosadism ring And it all boils down to maybe three names, only one of whom most people might maybe even have heard of, and then it's just crickets. That's it. So the question becomes, what happened and why did it happen? Well, it becomes important to define what success looks like when you're entering a project like this. If you're going to dox Zusadists, what is the end goal? What do you want to accomplish? I've already disclosed my own history in working with ad hoc groups to address zoosadists in the past. For us, it's simple. It wasn't about getting lauded publicly or getting people arrested or getting people ostracized from the community. For us, success was making sure these people could never hurt another animal ever again. That's the goal, obviously. Now, short of that goal, we would deem our efforts to be a failure. That's pretty simple, isn't it? The reason you go after zoosadism isn't because they, quote, make us look bad, or because it's fun to chase people around, or because you don't want them bringing heat on you by being around. No, you do it because they're monsters. They hurt others for pleasure. That's just so damn clear. And as animal lovers, that really does seem like the reasonable benchmark for the success of a project like this. Okay, so using that as a benchmark, let's take a look at last fall's zoosadist leaks and determine just how successful they were. Because some of the zoos who were really, really close to all this, they claim they were infiltrating all this zoosadist talk, but I have my own personal concerns about how they ended up so tangled up in the middle of all this as zoos, because, I don't know, me personally, I never seem to get tangled up with zoosadists, you know? Anyway, a few of those zoos have claimed great success in all this. And, And I'm really left thinking, basically, that's a crock of shit. When I went after monsters like this years ago, the folks I worked with didn't infiltrate anything. We identified the monster in question, confirmed that the actions really did occur, and then we did all we could to stop them from ever doing it anymore. Done. This isn't a fucking spy movie, you know? It's real life. One obvious highlight is that 
two of these abusers were arrested. Levy Dane Simmons, otherwise known as Snake Thing, and Moreiro, uh, Moreiro Pernes, I don't know how to say his name, who was arrested in Cuba. Moreiro Pernes. <laughs> Uh, and there, Whatever. there are a few problems. Su español es tan malo. There are a few problems with considering those to be wins. However, for me, right off the bat, I haven't seen any evidence that links Levi Dane Simmons to the online name Snake Thing. And I don't know if it's not just some random newspaper clipping about animal abuse that was then imported intentionally in to say, "Look, we got this guy arrested with nothing to back it up." Further, uh, newspapers are just not a good source of zoo or animal abuse-related news. We all know that. And the people who claim that they can vouch for the truth of that particular tidbit have also admitted to me that they've lied about other parts of this, quite publicly and quite loudly lied about other parts along the way. So I can't really trust them in good conscience just because they say this is true. So maybe that is the real-life name of Snake Thing, and maybe not. But because of the lying and the bullshit and the smears that got dragged all over this mess, by now it's basically impossible for anyone to figure out the truth. Well now, Fausti, let's give that the benefit of the doubt. Your life experiences tend to lead towards suspicion to that end, but we're talking about zoophiles who led the charge on this project. Your point about me having history of suspicion and paranoid concerns is absolutely true, but not so fast. Let's not forget the deeply disturbing fact that several of the zoos involved in this whole shameful mess also intentionally outed an individual who they identified publicly as a zoo because, so they've claimed to me, they had to do it in order to something something. It's all secret. They can't tell anyone. That's what I'm told. But the admission has been made that at least one zoo was intentionally outed by another zoo in this process. And to me, that's way over a red line, way over. And those who have admitted to doing that outing and have offered zero defense other than, well, we had to because reasons, that's just very hard to swallow given that they've admitted to lying about other parts of this whole situation. And when we get to zoos outing zoos, look, we're right back to Randy Pepe and the suicides and murdered families that come from outings. And nope, I'm just not on page Right, well, aside from that, and uh, assuming that these two arrests are legitimately tied directly to the Zeusatus leaks, what are the issues? Well, there's the obvious issue. Even if we make those generous assumptions, and that's the issue of follow-up, what happens after these people are arrested? For all we know right now, these folks are already out on bail. They could still be abusing animals, assuming they did in the first place. Not only that, but the actual punishment court for animal abuse. Real abuse involving real death or pain or suffering to non-humans, not imaginary moral panic abuse involving dogs with owners. In most states, you're lucky to get 30 days in jail. In Cuba, I don't know the statutes there, but I'd be surprised if it led to any sort of substantial punishment whatsoever. Now look, listeners can correct us if we're wrong on those assumptions, but I'm really not seeing anyone doing years in prison on any of this, even if they get convicted which thus far, I haven't heard any claim that anybody's been convicted of anything or that they're gonna be convicted of anything. No, I, you know, I, I think they'd be a bit harsher in Cuba in general. For animal abuse charges? I'd say not a chance. Look, there was a case in North America recently of a couple of shit-stained, kill-for-fun hunters who went into the den of a hibernating mother bear, took her cubs out, murdered them, laughing the whole way through. That, that's flagrantly illegal 
felony charges and they lied to officers investigating the crime when they were first confronted. Nope, no sir. We didn't kill no mama bear and her cubs. We're great white hunters. The fucking scum got caught on camera doing those murders. Caught on oh camera. They lied to the cops, claimed they didn't do it. There happened to have been a wildlife camera running. They did it. And the older shit stain, he did what, a few weeks in jail? The younger psychopath? Really? Yep. Zero jail time for the youngster. Slap on the wrist. Holy shit. That's absolutely typical. Absolutely. So, so for all the huffing and puffing about Kiro that went on for months, there has been effectively zero in the way of public follow-up regarding these two alleged arrests associated with these leaks. The investigation squad with their kitty Twitter logo and kitty bragging about secret decoder ring exploits. Well, they packed up shop and they're back playing Pokemon or whatever they do. Hmm. Zero interest in things when it actually came to actually stopping actual abuse. It was all a public stunt for that whole cadre of creepy individuals. Look, you can't just congratulate yourself and call it a job well done when some person maybe gets arrested. That is at best a first step. At worst, it's an irrelevant distraction. These monsters are likely to go right back at it, or they're soon to be right back at it. As far as I know, nobody's following up on that one bit. So that's supposed to be success. Well, pardon me whilst I just don't join in the whole celebratory blowjobs. Sorry. Okay, well, to be fair, with your Zeusatus projects, you didn't go public with your victories, as I recall. That is true. But our investigations weren't public to begin with. You have to wonder why such a public display would suddenly go quiet when it came to the actual results of the actions that allegedly happened last fall. All that hype up front, zero hype about actual results. That's a fucking disgrace, that's what that is. Look, this stuff isn't some Twitter game. It's not like the Ice Bucket Challenge for for creepy half-closeted zoo basket cases. This is real. The torture is a real horror, real. And when it really happens, it is all of our ethical obligation to stop it. Not to fucking make a cool logo and fucking tweet about it, but to stop it. All right. So, it's a little early to claim the arrests are a victory. But, at the very least, the leaks managed to stop a high-profile name from gaining social power that would have allowed him to continue abusing animals, right? You were talking about Kiro? Indubitably. Well, no. As I've hinted throughout... Some of these infiltrators, allegedly, have admitted to me offline that there was never any real evidence that Kiro was in any way a Zeusatist, apart from maybe some things he said in chats that were inappropriate, allegedly, and that people knew from the very beginning that no such evidence existed, but actively spread that narrative because, well, if you only knew what they knew, we'd all understand why that had to happen. When it comes to Kiro, it looks far more likely to me at this point, based on all evidence we have, that what happened is a fairly popular fur got assassinated publicly by others, perhaps jealous of his popularity, I don't know, others who were willing to fatally corrupt an actual investigation into actual horrifically evil actions by totally different people altogether. That's hardly a victory for the animals, unfortunately. It's nothing like that. Oh, and at least... One zoo was, lest we forget, intentionally outed in this process by other zoos. For spotty reasons I can't even guess at because they're secret and also pretty improbable, to be honest. So that's our scorecard. A political hit job against a furry, a zoo outed by other zoos, and 
seems like that's about it. So after all the repeated cries for you to publicly denounce Kiro, the same people admitted that there was no evidence that Kiro had actually committed any animal abuse. That is absolutely correct. All right, so... You know, going back over the giant public display, I do realize that at the end of it all, people basically started conceding that, I don't know what Kiro did, but he definitely did it. Thinking back to all the people who swore up and down that they read those leaks, I recall when someone admitted to me that as far as they could tell, Kiro maybe jerked off a dog or made one lick his dick. Look, to my knowledge, even that is not at all proved. The only video that ever surfaced, as far as I know, and I looked, which allegedly has Kiro's legs, in it that's all <laughs> it didn't show anything like that it showed a dog walking around with a boner that doesn't make kiro a zoo doesn't prove anything other than the fact that male dogs can get boners unless they're victims of human genital mutilation that is well okay and, and yet somehow that alone was enough to justify completely slaughtering this young man in the court of public opinion and actually what seems to have happened is that he was massacred and blamed for the death of his own dog when in fact he was grieving for the loss of a dog as a result of an accident that occurred when he wasn't even in the same state. And that's really awful, isn't it? If that's how this all plays out, it's really shameful for all of us that we let this happen. So now you have to ask yourself, what did this absolute character assassination accomplish in the end? Well, as far as I can tell, what it accomplished is it made for a really good shield for real abusers who were able to perhaps make their getaway. One thing that is characteristic of all the sociopathic monsters like Zuosatus I've known personally is their willingness to throw others under the bus to make a clean escape themselves. That I have seen every time I've been involved in hunting down monsters like this from Randy Pepe onwards. As an aside, Randy was himself an admitted Zuosatist. He was not a zoophile. He wrote an autobiography, published it online, in which he recounted suffocating his Dobermans by hanging them by the neck as part of his sickening power games concept of sex. Jesus Christ. And yes, it, it, it's clear to me that there was absolutely some smoke screening that happened here in this whole event, and that that smoke screening apparently worked. Some monsters seem to have gotten away, and they did so at the expense of Kiro, who was the lightning rod for hatred and abuse publicly. And many, many people, zoos and furries alike, who could and did know better, did absolutely nothing to stop this bait and switch from happening. Some, in fact, have a record of perhaps enabling it, whether intentionally or not. Right. Certainly, very few other names actually entered the public discourse, and undeniably, no name was subject to more consistent vitriol than Kiro's. So what about the other abusers? What happened to the ring of people around Snake Thing, and why has no one been talking about them? In the end, as far as we can ascertain here at Zuger Than Thou, this whole sorry episode has failed entirely to actually protect non-humans from being the victims of monsters on two legs who are zoosadists. By focusing falsely on one person, a scapegoat, someone easy to target because he's visible and high profile, and I know how that works, hmm. and by willfully creating lies surrounding that one person, Kiro, we've all played a role in allowing the true monsters to walk away essentially clean for the most part so they can now continue perpetrating their horrific tortures on other beings in the future. Right. And, you know, there's no saving Kiro at this point. The damage is done. You know, I'd say he might never recover, only I noticed that recently Monica Lewinsky is doing pretty well these days. Still, he will always be Kiro the Zeusatist, and this podcast isn't going to change that. So what can we do? First off, 
I personally hope that Kiro can survive this terrible episode and whatever his strengths or failings as a person and as a young man in the community at large, that he can use this experience to become stronger, wiser, and more compassionate in the future. I hope that he can take what happened to him and make something good of it. I know it won't be easy. I, of all people, know how fucking hard it is to do that. But it is possible, and it is absolutely a worthy goal to set. Look, I, I don't know Kiro, never met him, never interacted with him, have nothing to do with him, but I personally do offer my support in his efforts to create for himself a good path forward, whatever that means for him and his loved ones. And I, for whatever this is worth, offer to him my own condolences for what he's been through. Whether he ran with the wrong crowd or said some things in chats that maybe are themselves indefensible, I don't know. I still hope that he doesn't let this crush him, or worse yet, actually turn him into the monster everyone accused him of being. The strong path forward is for him to prove all those spineless, lying, cowardly scumbags who set him up as a sacrifice so they could cover up other crimes, that he's not who they painted him to be, that he's better than that, and that he grows into a compassionate, caring, loving man who is already waiting within him. I do hope that's true for him. Two, I hope that we can all, again, be more critical of accusations in the future and more wary of our eagerness to jump on a bandwagon as a community. Let's all double down on a dedication to winnowing facts from fantasies, reality from rumors, and evil from random errata. There is genuine evil out there. There are monsters like Randy Pepe or Rainsters who cause horrible pain for their own pleasure. These are the real targets. They are the eternal targets of anyone who rejects torture as a fun pastime. And the only way we can keep our lookout for these real monsters is to stop being distracted by hot air and political gibberish that's falsely painted as being about, quote, stopping zoosadism when it's not, period. Perhaps we can also salvage the good bits of the investigation and start keeping a public record of who's involved and what's been done to stop them from abusing animals. Uh, to that end, we would absolutely love to hear from anyone in the community listening about any real factual information that you may have gathered about this question so that we can try to put together a real picture of what's really going on and what actually happened without the obfuscation and falsehoods. And just as important, if not more so than that, if anything Toggle and I have said today about this situation is inaccurate, if we've gotten facts wrong, big or small, please correct us, drop us a note, you can do that privately, just tell us in person, and we'll honor your request for privacy, or better yet, correct us and let us air that correction publicly in a future podcast so everyone can benefit from your better knowledge of what happened. That's how we all learn. Also, please, no links to Kiwi Farms, an ironically named troll site that's not endorsed by actual Kiwis. <laughs> oh, well, uh, the degenerate Nazi-loving nobodies at Kumquat Farms have managed to out themselves as the white supremacist losers that everybody already knew them to be. They also picked the fight with law enforcement in New Zealand. Good luck with that, morons. Five eyes. <laughs> All right, so this has been a rather heavy topic for our lighthearted show. Let's take off our serious business zoo hats and get to what you really came here for, terrible zoo puns. <laughs> Stay tuned for the good stuff right after this. You're listening to National Enquirer Radio, the hottest gossip with the least amount of scrutiny. Good evening, Enquirers. I'm pleased to welcome back to the show history buff and outraged citizen journalist Tuck Tubthumper. Tuck, 
It's good to see you. It's good to be back, Jeff. Now, Tuck, you say you have the exclusive scoop on a secret zoophile conspiracy involving everyone from Hollywood elites to simple corn farmers in the Midwest. That's right, Jeff. What I've got is going to shake the very foundation of our society. Well, that's pretty intense. Why don't you walk us through it from the beginning? The beginning is a perfect place to start. Anatomically modern humans stem from tribes in Africa. Oh, uh, wait a second, Tuck. I didn't mean start from the beginning of human history. Oh, no, Jeff. This shit goes deep. We need to go all the way back. Seriously? Serious as a tick on a taint. These early humans migrated from sub-Saharan Africa up into Western Africa and into modern-day Europe, found some cozy places to settle, and set up camp. You're familiar with the term Cro-Magnon, right, Jeff? Uh, kind of. Like cavemen? No, Jeff, not cavemen. The Cro-Magnon tribes were the first modern humans. The first humans to resemble what humans look like today. And like humans today, they were prone to... Distasteful proclivities. Distasteful proclivities? Like what? Oh, Jeff, if only you knew. You think these dirty zoophiles today are bad? Wait till you hear what these Cro-Magnon humans did. Oh, I'm on the edge of my seat, Tuck. So you're a modern human. Proud. Tall. Upright. You wield dominion over nature. You make fire, tools, weapons. You create languages. You're the real deal. Then along comes this beast. Bulky, short, covered in fur. Its young cleats to its mother's furry breast. Make no mistake, Jeff, we're talking about a wild animal. The likes of which the chrome magnet people had never seen before. I'm following you, Tuck. Naturally, when you see a wild animal, what do you do as a proud human? Uh, hunt it? Eat it? Aw, oh, you'd think that, wouldn't you? But early modern man had other plans. Early modern man decided to fuck it. Wait, are you saying that this was a regular occurrence? It became the gold standard. Crobe Magnum men lined up to fuck these animals while the women sought out this beast's thick, stocky cock. Jesus, how could we have never heard of this before? Oh, you might have heard it tossed around without realizing it. You ever heard of Neanderthals, Jeff? Uh, cavemen? No, Jeff, not cavemen. Hardly men at all. Overgrown monkeys, more like. Humans got it on with Neanderthals like zoos get it on with cattle. These beasts that humans were having sex with were animals. Animals! Oh, that's just horrible. Are you really telling me that this whole group of humans were raping animals too dumb to consent like it was natural or normal? Well, they sure were. Just like it was the most normal thing in the world. There wasn't anybody to tell them how depraved it all was. But there's an even bigger problem that all this sex with animals nastiness caused. And let's just be glad that it isn't one modern zoophiles get to experience. What's that, Tuck? They didn't just fuck each other. Those humans and their animal partners, they made babies, Jeff. They interbred. No. Tainting our proud, pure human blood with filthy, disgusting, dumb animal DNA. Neanderthal human families popped out babies like there was no tomorrow. Little monsters, each and every one a rebuke of the purity of the human race. So you're saying that humans fucked animals and these unholy couplings produced babies? Stranger than fiction, let me tell you. Not only did these humans disgrace their sacred racial purity by having carnal relations with those disgusting animals, but they even lived together as if humans were just another kind of animal. 
They raised their impure children together, creating an entire new generation of corrupted half-humans. If this had happened today, those babies would have been put down, just like we do for the poor animal rape victims of modern-day zoophiles. But this was a whole different world. And this nightmare of tainted love went on for years, centuries even. Wow, that's depravity the likes of which I've never heard before. Can you imagine if that had happened today? Oh, but Jeff, I'm sorry I have to tell you this, but that curse isn't just in the past. It's much, much worse than that. Really? Oh, Jeff, you sweet, delicate flower of man. Think about what I just said. Early man's lust for strange, passionate, exciting furry sex has had untold effects on modern humankind. Just about every one of us humans alive today is the product of interspecies sex. We're direct descendants of unspeakable sin of bestiality. Our very genetic heritage is tainted with carnal love for animals. It's inside us. It's part of who we are. We're mongrels, Jeff. We've got that animal DNA in our genes. Our immune system, Chef, we got those from the Neanderthals. Oh, God. I think I'm going to be sick. And humans didn't just stop with the Neanderthals, either. Modern man traveled into Asia and fucked those impure, stupid, non-human Denisovian animals as well. Those people back then, they really just acted like the species barrier was some imaginary thing. Like there wasn't a beautiful wall separating humanity from the filthy, disgusting, dumb animals. Those people just lived and loved whomever they chose. Absolutely incredible. And this leads us to the modern zoophile agenda. Just like our ancient Cro-Magnon ancestors, these depraved individuals have the drive to have sex with any mammal that wants to do the two-backed beast with a human. They don't care if they're shaped exactly like them or not. They don't care. All they care about is, well, I guess they just care about love, Jeff, but not the pure, wholesome love where you make sure everyone stays in line with a healthy dose of social pressure and condemnation. And I bet they go on loving even after they know the risk of getting fucked by someone who isn't human. They go on with all that loving even if they knew how our pure human genes got polluted by animal DNA by all those ancient human zoophiles loving anything that loved them back. They'd corrupt us again, Jeff. Filthy animal sperm teating our pure human DNA. Can you imagine it? The pure uniformity of humans spoiled by love. Disgusting. Just beyond comprehension. You really think that's possible? Isn't there a chromosome incompatibility? Look, Jeff, I've uncovered something that few of us normal humans know. Zoophile scientists have been working on the problem for decades, and they are close to a solution. I've seen the research with my own eyes, Jeff. Haven't you ever noticed these animal fuckers always insist on their animals being left intact? They all act like respecting the bodily integrity of their beloveds is some sort of moral thing or whatever. But obviously, there's a dark, secret explanation for that kind of weird, respect those you love cover story. And now I have figured it out. Zoos don't cut pieces off their family members so that they can harvest their semen and their eggs and use them to make future generations of cross-species children. They're secretly trying to take over the world with furry, weirdly sexy, half-human, half-animal children. Jeff, zoos are trying to make furries real. There, I said it. It's wild stuff, Jeff, let me tell you. That's mind-blowing. I can hardly believe that something like that exists. Oh, this conspiracy goes deep, Jeff. 
Hollywood Zooluminati elites fund these experiments, while zoo farmers provide ample samples to zoo scientists in Silicon Valley. Zoo spread hateful, disturbing propaganda about mutual respect and interspecies symbiosis and love transcends to recruit new test subjects to their cause through Twitter accounts like the Cross Species Alliance, run by one of the most prominent figures in the Zoo Luminati. I'm not naming names, but it sounds a whole lot like Jousty. Well, when you said you had a bombshell, you sure delivered, Tuck. All I'm doing is spreading the truth so we can stop this conspiracy in its tracks before we end up with gross human hybrids. Like the whole world is just one big furicon and they are their fursona forever. Taking over our government and forcing us all to, well, to get violated by big, horny, half-human studs bent on planting their seed wherever it'll take root. You know furries, Jeff. Just think about a world of non-stop murs. If we don't stop the Zuluminati, that's the future we all face. Love, kindness, compassion, and lots of sweaty, happy, musky, furry drama. The horror. The horror. Wow, thanks for the scoop, Tuck. Stay vigilant, Inquirers. We've got more inquiries coming up after this. Welcome back to Ask Zooey, the premier program for cross-species romantic advice. I'm your host, Zooey Deschanel's canine drag queen look-alike Zooey. And I'm her paramour at arms, Toggle Reddington III Esquire. Remember, if you're in need of your own romantic advice, we've recently streamlined the process so that it's easier than ever to have your questions answered on air before a canned studio audience. Simply message us at at AskZooey on Twitter or send us an anonymous email through the form at zoo.wtf with the subject AskZooey. Much easier than sending a canine stripogram and a lot less expensive too. Today's letter comes from Stressed Out Stud in Straitsville, and it's quite the doozy. Rat servant, will you please do the honors? Your wish is my command. Stressed Stud writes, Dear Zooey, look, here's the deal. I'm a red-blooded, hoof-to-ears, ball-steep stallion. The real deal, a stud. People brag about being hung like me, you know? And I love mares. Nothing gets me going like a mare in heat. Sloppy, sticky, squealy, straight slamming, merry good fun. I want all the mares everywhere in my herd. I got them covered, real talk. They love me, I'm Mr. Satisfaction to my lovely ladies, I am. Never even looked at another stallion's junk before. Why would I? I know he's not got anything I can't outdo, so no sense wondering. Even if sometimes a guy does wonder, and, you know, it's just curiosity is all. Anyway, I don't do that. I'm a stallion stallion. I mean, I only bang mares. All the mares, all the time. Hmm, methinks the stallion doth protest too much. It's just that, and there's this new stable boy on the farm. I mean, I noticed him right away since he's got that strut, you know? Like he's got it all going on. Well, sure, he's not a real guy, he's just human, but it's a decent try at real stallion charisma is all. That's gonna draw your eye, right? Not a stallion, just a human, okay? Yeah, well, also, when he's cleaning my stall, he always gives me just right scritches. Like he knows where I'm wishing for a bit of nice touch. I'm just saying, it's really neat how he learns my needs and knows how to make a guy feel comfortable. So sometimes, I just like to, you know... Listen, is it really super gay to just sort of, you know, 
give a special sort of knicker to just this human guy. And if he notices and wants to maybe do some off-the-books collections, just he and I, it's not like I decided to do that, because it's him that makes the first move. Obviously. And all I did was knicker, so it's not like I was tossing a leg over his shoulder for a quick hump or anything. Anyway, just asking generally. Like I said, love mares, totally not gay, not into guys. Real guys, I mean stallions. No way. But sometimes when I get to belly slapping, I get to maybe thinking about that stable boy's soft little hooves, stroking smoothly on my shaft, caressing my balls right before I come, his head buried under my tail, his tongue in me. Uh, so anyway, it wouldn't be gay, right? Because, like, it's not with a real stallion or anything. That's gay, man. I'm just... He's only human, so it can't be gay. I'm just attracted to the little dude's great personality is all. But in an it's just a human kind of way, you know? So that's not gay, is it? What if he makes the first move and I just go along? Not gay, right? You know, it's a shame that in this day and age, homosexuality is still so taboo that people are still repressing those kinds of feelings. Well, particularly in the rural United States, there's still a lot of stigma surrounding homosexual activity. It can get you in trouble even today. There's also often a supposition that you're either gay or you're straight. But here's the truth, stud. Sexuality exists on a spectrum, or even more accurately, in an amorphous cloud of possibilities that's difficult to define. It's completely possible to be attracted to mares and still find your stable boy attractive. You can have both! But stud, what concerns me most is your repression of these feelings in the context of your masculinity. You can be the manly, well-hung stud and nicker at the stable boy. You can even wonder what the other stallion in the stable looks like when he's hard. Being interested in the same sex doesn't make you less of a stud, whether it's with another stallion or just a human. And it's also possible that your sexuality varies by species. I've always been partial to other guys in general, but I have to admit a certain attraction when it comes to mares, just like you have. My advice to you, stud, is to embrace all the facets of your sexuality, and don't get hung up on labels like gay and straight. These labels are only useful to easily convey our sexual preference to others, but they become uselessly restrictive when we try to confine ourselves into these boxes. A stud stud like you, stud, can please all the mares and be interested in males at the same time, without changing who you are fundamentally as a person. Furthermore, don't let anyone make you feel lesser because of how you feel about stable boys. You're a proud stallion, and nothing's going to change that. Thank you so much for such an honest and vulnerable question, stud. Best of luck wooing the stable boy of your dreams. Well, that's all the time we have for today. But remember, if your heart's full of burning desire and burning questions, drop us a line, and we'll be happy to help you out. We'll see you next time. Same zoo time, same zoo channel. Thanks, friends, for listening to Zooier Than Thou. And <laughs> sorry for the length of this episode. We'll try to be a little bit more concise next time. You can subscribe to the podcast via our RSS feed. Just point to your favorite podcast client at rss.zoo.wtf and off you go. Our podcast website is, yep, zoo.wtf. Twitter, at Zooier Than Thou. Z-O-O-I-E-R Than Thou. And you can follow Zooey's naughty advice at Ask Zooey. That is Z O O E Y. You can contact me, co host Fausty, 
through my website, fauci.org, or by clicking your heels three times and saying, I'm Zooey and I want to go home. <laughs> Maybe. All non-humans who help make this podcast happen promise that they haven't done sexy things to their helpless human paramours unless humans consented in advance. Zooier Than Thou isn't trademarked, and you can share it with anybody you want. It's provided under the ZPL licensing program. Human males and stallions don't have bones in their penises. Weird, huh? Dogs certainly think so. Be nice to each other. It's the sexiest, zooiest thing you can do. Hell yeah. Stay defiant, fellow zoos. We'll see you next time you feel like howling at the moon.